my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Afrotech 2017. San Francisco, California. Michael Seibel, Managing Director at Y Combinator, the Darling Silicon Valley Accelerator, is on the main stage and is asked a question by a founder who said that while she has tons of traction, she's on her entrepreneurial journey solo with no technical co-founder and no co-founder at all. And she wants to know if that prohibits her from getting accepted into YC. And so the reason why people look for a team is because on the process of going from being a company that generates a million dollars of revenue to a hundred million dollars in revenue, it turns out having co-founders going through that process is helpful. The reason why people like tech founders or technical co-founders is because the process of going from a million dollars of revenue to a hundred million dollars of revenue is a lot easier if you're leveraging technology. So I don't want to make this a statement on someone's business. There are tons of successful businesses that do not leverage tech, that do not need tech co-founders. It's just that there's only a small sliver of businesses that can incredibly go out and raise millions of dollars where someone's willing to make the bet. So what I tell founders all the time is that there's no moral judgment. Build whatever business you want to build. But if you want to build a business that can raise millions of dollars to help, you got to be in this small sliver. And if you don't, don't expect to raise money. And most businesses that are successful in America never raised a dollar. So that's very possible to do. So at YC, our challenge is, is how do we figure out whether a company is in that small sliver or not? Day one, day two, day five, even year one, that's really, really hard. Um, and to be honest, sometimes we get it wrong. Like we definitely have gotten it wrong. 
Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Damon Brown is a best-selling author, two-time startup founder, and four-time TED speaker. He co-founded the popular platonic connection app Cuddler and led it to acquisition within a year. Today, he helps side hustlers, solopreneurs, and other non-traditional creatives and entrepreneurs find their path to success however they define it, and usually, it's with a big bag of money. This conversation between Damon and I happened on the Afrotech Live event featured on lunchtable.com. Let's dive in. We are back with another Afrotech Live um, featuring us on both Lunch Table and on Facebook.com. So appreciate everybody for checking in. You know, these are the types of conversations I love to have with entrepreneurs, founders, uh, business people, people who play along the edges of business and technology. And today I get an opportunity to talk with a friend of mine, uh, Damon Brown, who's an author. Uh, startup founder, uh, counselor, advisor, you know, all the things. So let me give you his uh, bio for his website. So Damon helps side hustlers, solopreneurs, and other non-traditional creatives bloom. And we're going to talk a lot about non-traditional creatives and non-traditional entrepreneurs even. He co-founded the popular platonic uh, connection app Cuddler, which you might remember from a few years ago. So it's kind of like Tindler for cuddling, maybe? Something like that? Yeah, we can talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Um, he's a, a TED speaker, so he's been on the TED stage, the big stage, um, and he's an author of several books, and like including Our Virtual Shadow back in the day, uh, yeah. Bring Your Worth, which I'm a big fan of, uh, Build From Now, which actually comes out this month, came out this month, right? Yeah, it came out like uh, over the past week or so. So yes, yes, yes. So yes. pleased, to, pleased to be talking to you, Damon, today. Thank you for joining me. Hey, always good. Well, I mean, you know, we go back a little bit and. Uh, I love seeing your growth too. So let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah so let's talk about it. So, uh, you know, when you think about, when I think about Damon, and you've, you've created this persona as somebody who helps people who um, may not see themselves in the mainstream model of an entrepreneur, um, find their role in entrepreneurship and business development. And so we talk a lot about scale. You know, scale is one of my favorite conversations to talk about. Yeah. Um, but scaling a business isn't for everybody. Sometimes people just want to do their thing and they don't have to, it doesn't have to be a multi-million or a multi-billion dollar business. Maybe it helps pay the mortgage. Maybe, you know, it helps put a little bit of extra food on the table. So I guess my question to you is that we're talking today about, you know, entrepreneurship for the rest of us. Um, what has to happen in our conversation about entrepreneurship and business ownership for everybody to feel included if they want to start you know a project and it you know could potentially be bigger than that yeah for sure and that's exactly what i specialize in it's the side hustlers the solopreneurs people like myself um i did my two startups bootstrapped them and did them while i was uh the primary caretaker and still am of our first son and he was four months old at the time when i became an entrepreneur when you know my first app, so called quotable, got popular, I did my first two TED talks. The first year he was alive. I started Cuddler. The second year he was alive, and we ended up getting it acquired right after his second birthday. So I have a level of sympathy and empathy, um, as well as perspective for the non-traditional entrepreneur. And so it's someone who's trying to make an impact, but might be overlooked, might not have those resources. 
uh, might be, as I say now, I love this term, over-mentored but underfunded. So it's a lot of people that are giving them game advice, <laughs> whether they're not actually giving them the resources they need to thrive. Uh, that's what Built From Now comes from. Like it's, it's the new book is really talking about how to know your power, see your abundance and nourish the world. That's the subtitle. I'm talking about the four resources that we all have, focus, agility, time, and energy. I call them the fates. All of us have that as long as we're breathing. And so what I'm trying to do is create a framework to say, you can create with whatever you got. Um, one of the conversations I've been having with a lot of my coaching clients is that they're not sure how to proceed without a particular resource. So it's like, how do I build this product, this physical product without money? Because I need VC capital for that. So, but the VCs aren't talking to me right now. How do I do that? And they feel stuck. One of the things that I, that I talk about in the book and talk about in general with my community is that you can create that community before you actually start the product. In fact, you should. So that's something that's really simple. If you, um, I'm forgetting the name of the app. There's a major app right now that uh, connects people to barbershops. And they just got a really nice, nice round over the past month or two. Esquire, Esquire. Thank you. I always forget the name of it. So props to them. I'm sure they were hanging out in the barbershops, just like you probably were. And I was back when they were kids and all that. I'm originally from the East Coast. So back in Jersey, I remember those neighborhood bar barbershops. They probably did that before they got funding, right? So they already were building that community. So that's the argument with Built From Now is you can create with whatever resources you've got. And luckily, I've coached hundreds of entrepreneurs at this point. I'm starting to go worldwide with it. And there's people in Africa, there's people in Germany, there's people all over the place who have different sets of resources and they're all able to glow up in a certain way. You just need to be realistic about what you got and how long it's going to take, you know? So you, you started off that whole conversation talking about, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. Like, are, are, do people become entrepreneurs or are they born entrepreneurs and then find their way to starting a business? Oh, you're, you're asking dangerous questions, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think entrepreneurs are created. Um, mm. I talk about that. You're familiar with, with Bring Your Worth. That was the, the predecessor to Built From Now that came out two years ago. I talk about my ancestry in that. Um, you know, the Kendrick Lamar idea of things being in your DNA. So I actually come from a long line of entrepreneurs. I have three families. I come from a step family too. All three branches. I didn't realize that until I was much older because I thought it was a one of one. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be creating stuff. I'm going to break generational curses. I'm going to do this startup, that startup. <laughs> I'm going to be stay-at-home dad, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, wait, like, like two, three generations. You know, going back to my history in New Orleans and my history over in other parts of the South, I'm like, oh, yeah, my, my great-grandfather was doing that. And so I think as, as, as I'm, I'm a parent of two, and so as a parent, I think you kind of get into that mindset. It's a little bit easier to see where you're creating that water you're creating that water that the fish doesn't realize they're in, right? To kind of flip that old saying where a fish doesn't know it's in water. And so you're creating that framework. What I'm trying to do with Bill from now and the conversations just like we're having now is to have you understand your framework. And so I don't think it's a matter of, of entrepreneurs being born per se. I think I happen to be born into a framework where people doing side hustles, people being entrepreneurs before then, the, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. So back when my families were doing it and I was a kid, people didn't use the word entrepreneur. Yeah. So that's why like, I, I have kind of this, this complicated feeling when it says, you know, entrepreneur is born 
or are they created where it's like, well, you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. You know, it's kind of like being African-American or not. It's like either you're doing and have a certain mindset or you don't. And there are a lot of people who are leading startups who might not have the entrepreneurial mindset. They might be like, I want to keep the status quo. Like, I don't have to name names, it's yeah. just stories. And a lot, of a lot of cases, those startups or those, those independent organizations end up going down because they're trying to protect the status quo versus progress things to where the world needs to be. And then you might have somebody, including some of my relatives that might be working at McDonald's and they got the whole shift hopping because yeah. they're looking at things in an innovative way. And so I don't think it's about the identity of being an entrepreneur, born or created. I think it's more like having that mindset. And that's why I'm like, that's why I get hyped when I talk about this, where I'm like, okay, we can, we can change mindset. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have to be yeah. born into a rich family or have a family of entrepreneurs. You don't need to have that to get into that mindset, you know? Because I, I think we've, you know, made, some of us have disparaged the phrase lifestyle entrepreneurship because if you're I know, not shooting right? for the moon. I, I knew you were going there, right? <laughs> yeah, if, because in, our, in tech, yeah. like if you're not shooting for the moon, to build the next Google, like what are you doing? You're you are you doing a cute lifestyle business? Like what do you say to that? I think it really depends on who who you are and what you want. Um, there are people that are on the cover of I have a column with Ink Magazine, um, so you can check it out at DamonBrown.net, and then you know the Ink Magazines at uh, InkDamonBrown.com. So I don't mind putting them into the mix with this, where you have the cover of Ink Magazine, you cover the Fortune or whatever, whatever is hot right now, even the websites. And they'll put someone on there where they'll say they got a huge investment. But that investment is good on paper. And that investment yeah. needs to come back to those VCs and oft often to be considered a success 10x. So versus like, you know, built from now, like this is my imprint. I own the ISBNs, you know, it's, it's being printed through my printers, you know. And so the, they call it cottage industries. The cottage industries that I created where like the last seven books I've done in the last four years, like someone pays for it, most of it's coming back to my family. So it might not be on the scale of say a penguin, no shots at penguin, like I've done books with them, but it, not, it might not be on the scale of a penguin or a random house, but I'm building my own little fiefdom, if you wanna call it that. And so both of them are equal. There's nothing good or bad about it. And it was interesting when I worked on Cuddler, we had bootstrapped it, we got to a quarter million users and that was big for what we were trying to do. But if we got a ton of investment and we hit a quarter million users, that might be considered a failure. And so I think it really depends on the metrics you use on the outside and also the metrics you use for the inside. For me, I'm building my own imprint and got, now it's eight books under my imprint because I left the traditional New York publishing industry. No shots at them, I still work with them, but that's not, that wasn't the place for, for me. So you don't have to shoot for the moon because it really depends on where the moon is. I guess I'll put it like that, you know? My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. 
And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And so, so you just, you open this, this can of worms, like ownership, like you exactly. can own your stuff. And I remember, you know, cause I grew up wanting to be in the music business and, you yeah. know, so the, the, the tip of the pinnacle was getting a record deal in those days. And mm-hmm. now it's like, you don't need a record, like for what? Other than you gratification, maybe, but you have all the tools that they have. And so when you look at authors, you know, who are like yourself, people who are wanting to own their stuff, own their businesses, don't want to get venture capital, because we still talk to a lot of people who have no need or desire to go get venture capital in, in mm-hmm. this ecosystem. How do they also, at the same time, um, build something that's sustainable? but also don't get discouraged because it may happen more slowly. Mm. That's a million dollar question. And, and every tool that I provide um, from, I have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Brown Damon. Just started that up. So I have almost daily shows that I do on there. It's kind of like one-on-one coaching um, to the ink column, to the new book, even conversations with you. It's literally trying to answer that question. 
you know, and if we want to unpack it a little bit, if you feel as though this is where you're supposed to be, then you don't have to worry about the timeline. You know, like, like that ownership is there. You know, no one can take that from you. And I think the closer you get to that unique vision that's yours, the more you secure you feel in that. So for instance, with me saying, I wanna help non-traditional entrepreneurs, people who are side hustlers, people who are solopreneurs, I'm gonna help them on every single platform possible. Now that we're sheltering in place, I'm gonna start up this YouTube channel. Like I'm gonna give them as much game as possible. No one can take that away from me. So whether Bill From Now came out, you know, a couple of weeks ago, like it did with its big launch, or if it came out three years from now, it doesn't matter. And so the more secure you are in what you're nourishing the world with, the less you're worried about the timeline. Like I'm not worried about what anybody else is doing. I wanna support other people and I'll watch other people and I know exactly who's in my space as far as with business. I can tell you exactly who the business competitors are. Some of them are my friends. I'm proud to call them my friends. Yeah. Our books came out at the same time, but I'm not worried about you know his or her um, you know, market cap or his or her, um, his or her space that he or she has taken in the market. Like, I'm not worried about that because I know what my identity is. And as soon as you get into that, then you start worrying about how long it takes. Like, I'm not worried about that. I got um, um, Bring Your Worth, which you mentioned earlier, that came out exactly two years ago. It was actually a slow seller compared to my previous book, The Ultimate Bites as Entrepreneur. That one was a bestseller off the bat. Bring Your Worth was a slow seller. And then people are coming back now, literally two years later, I just got a phone call from somebody. They're like, I just picked this up and I need some more of that game. You know, and it was humbling because it's like literally two years later, that's a long time. You put a book out and it's like, no one's talking about it. And suddenly people, it's popping like 18, 19, 20 months later. That's not to, to be a flex or anything. It's just, if you have that mindset, you're not worried about that. Someone I was coaching recently, I was, I was sharing with them that their job isn't to convince people to get on the journey right away. That's not their job. Their job is to do the work. With Bring Your Worth, which is why I bring it up, Bring Your Worth, you know, thankfully, you know, I had a lot of support where I did the work that I was supposed to do. And it's like, whether well, bestseller or not, this is the book of this time. And that time for somebody like the person who just called me the other day, that time might be 2021 after a pandemic. But I wrote that joint in 2018, it came out in 2019, yeah. but they were ready for it. And so once you start to establish a catalog, then that conversation is already established. And as Seth Godin says, that begins to create trust. And if you create trust, then no, no time or nothing can violate that. And in fact, it's, I think it's the opposite, where now that I've been talking about these discussions, and you and I have talked about this off camera, yeah. I've been talking about these things for like five years, six years, seven years since I sold my startup. So there's a level of trust and community there that other people can't breach. That's what you need to do, but that takes time. So time, not looking at it as I have to rush to get it out because competitors, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, create your community. And then over time, you'll get, um, as I talked about Bill from now, you almost get like a, a dividend from it. You almost get a um, uh, interest over time. You know, it's like compound interest, but it's to your creative world. You know, and you do that, then time becomes your friend, doesn't become my enemy. I'm not worried about time, you know? So um, shout out to everybody watching on Facebook and on Lunch Table. If you do have questions, we have producers monitoring those chats. So feel free to drop your questions and or comments and I will do my best to get to them um, in the time that we have left. I wanna pull up um, one of your old, your old goodies. 
um, oh, bite oh, size on man. <laughs> that, I, that I happened to that's have. Like, it was, that's it was like, nearby. Right. That's like pulling out, you know, Kendrick Lamar's Section 80. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's, I got the um, I got the new version here. So this version's clean yes. back when I could. Yes. I could. Flop I, I have that bit. one too. That <laughs> you one got too. the old version though. That yeah. was my first major bestseller on my imprint. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. So so I want to pull up uh, to jog your memory, and I want to have you speak to a couple of these things because when I think about on, lifestyle entrepreneurship specifically, and yeah. again we're talking about entrepreneurship for the rest of us. So this is for those people who may be feeling like they're inadequate because they're not trying to build the next Google, but maybe they're trying to do their boutique or they're trying to do their, you know, their lifestyle company. Um, they don't always have the, like the infrastructure and the demands put on them by external forces. So they have to find it from within to be, um, to come and show up all the time, right? Yes. So, and there's a chapter called Lies We Tell. Yes. And these are a lot, a lot of the myths um, that we might tell ourselves um, when we're starting a business. So I'm going to just give you a couple of the ones, the headers that you wrote in here, and I want to have you speak to it. Um, one of them is, I'll start this project or slash this business when I have more bandwidth. Man, we hear that all the time. I know you hear it too. I'm going to go ahead and get started on this when when I get my money right. That's a, that's a common one. Um, I'm going to start on this when my kids graduate. I'm going to start on this when I get situated in my main job. Um, it's not going to get easier tomorrow. Again, I became an entrepreneur at the same time. You know, my son had just turned four months old when I became an entrepreneur. So, so I, I can speak from experience, but also from coaching and connecting with other people where it's just like, it literally doesn't get easier. And there's so many people that I've talked with who had that same dream, that same idea that they had when we connected like 10 years ago. Almost brings a tear to my eye where it's just like, you know, and not shaming them, but more like that, that, that potential wasn't realized, you know, because they're waiting for this perfect moment. And I talk to them now and they're still waiting for this perfect moment. Um, that's why Build From Now is called Build From Now. I really struggle with the title. That's why it's called Build From Now, where it's like, work with what you got. And there's so many business books that come out now that say that you're broken or you need to fix this or you need to un-F yourself, try not to curse, you know, <laughs> all these different things, right? And some of these are by my colleagues, so it's no shade towards them. But the, but the presumption, the baseline is saying you need to be better than what you are now. You need to be fixed. I'm very much the opposite approach where I'm like, no, your problem is your framework. And so you actually have a lot of resources. You're just not valuing them again you know, understanding your abundance, as I say, and build from now, building on that. And so we keep on delaying until we get more resources. What I'm trying to do with build from now is say, no, you got enough. Get started. Yeah, yeah. All right, I, got, I think I'm gonna do two or three more. We can do them sort of rapid fire so we can get through these because they're really good. Thank all you. right, I, the next one is I'll stay up all night, skip today's meals because that's how you crush it. Man, I used to live in Silicon Valley and um, saw a lot of brothers and sisters brothers and sisters like us, but also brothers and sisters in general, that were just, you know, in their early 20s, burnout. And on the, the hot thing at the time was Mountain Dew and, or I'm sorry, Red Bulls and, and vodka. So I'm given my age now, so it's like the late aughts. And it was high life. Steve Jobs was still alive. Like the whole thing, like the whole thing was yeah. just bang. You know, you yeah. go to a party, see Steve Jobs there, that kind of thing. So it was that lifestyle. And then they'd be burnt out in like a month like crispy, like never hear from them again. I'm not trying to do that. And luckily I didn't do that with Cuddler, though I had my moments where it was tough. 
And so you want to create something, again, that's sustainable. If you're in a rush, if your stuff is worthwhile, you don't need to be in a rush. And there's a few different things where you might have to get in before competitors, but even if competitors get in, they might be able, you might be able to refine it or put your spin on it that's better. And so again, don't focus on the Russian, just like be consistent. Yep. With my YouTube channel, I discovered this straight up where it's just like, I was doing the daily YouTubes for like two months. I already got like 60 episodes up there. And then a couple of weeks ago, I was like, wait a second, let me calm down. So now it ends up being every Monday, Wednesday and Friday much easier pace. The world is starting to open back up. So I'm starting to get called to do different things later on in the year or next year. It's like, I want to have something that's sustainable. How do I keep showing up for my audience forever? As Jay-Z said in that interview with the New York Times, forever. That's what I want. You can't do forever and burn yourself out. All right, two more. We can do these quick because we are starting to get some questions coming in. Um, I will work. I'm, I'm a, and I'll give you this acronym for the audience in a second, but it'll make sense in a minute. The next one is I'll work with this PETA client one last time. And PETA stands for pain in the ass. I'll work with this pain in the ass client one more time. I fired clients before, so I, I'm, I'm looking for you to, to give too. us some enlightenment yes, here. Yeah, I fire them all the time. And you have to figure out what your main way you're serving is. One of the reasons why I slow down on the YouTube channel and other things is that you sometimes have to give space for whatever you're gonna build next. Because if your schedule is like this, you got a million things going on, you got a lot of PETA clients, but you're just trying to pay the bills, there's gonna be a gap where you're gonna cut off those clients and it's gonna be rough. But if you don't have that gap, then there's no room for serious clients to come in. That's the best way I can describe it. I've, I've gone through that many, many times in my couple of decades being independent. And you got to make that choice. Yeah. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile... The ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, next, last one is out of this series is I need to quit my job and my relationships, et cetera, so I can truly dedicate myself to my big idea. That's a, that's, well, how is that a myth? I, I, was, I thought I had to give everything up in order to go do this thing, man. No. Well, that, that is. Well, we believe you. You said it earlier. Like we believe that. That's that's a bill of goods we've been sold. It's like, oh yeah, you have to give up everything. You, yeah, if you give up, give up everything, then you'll be able to, you know, sell your company, company to whomever, and then go buy an island off that, the South Pacific. Like, and then you can rest. And it's like, but that's such a point zero 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 one percent chance of that. And so they're selling you on that. And then you might end up selling your soul for that. And I don't mean anything dramatic, just like you're going to grind yourself to a halt. That doesn't make any sense. Like I'm in my 40s. I plan on being in this game until, until the, you know, the wheels fall off, until the, right, the casket drops, whatever. So I have no interest in burning out. I got another 40, 50 years in me. So it's like, I'm not trying to kill myself for the next book or the next app. I'm not trying to do that. You get that mentality, you think 40, 50 years, then you'll make other decisions about how you spend your time, you know? Right, there's a question that came in from Facebook. Uh, it says, I'm interested in writing a series of books. How can I get started or just pointed in the best direction? I guess start with one book, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> start with a sentence, yeah. 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 Not to get too, yeah. too flagrant here, but yeah. yeah, just start with a sentence. Um, do a medium piece um, with, um, I'm not gonna have you, pick up my old ashy version of the book. <laughs> the ultimate bite-sized entrepreneur, like the original one that, that Will showed earlier, it started with a series of, of columns in, uh, in Inc. Magazine. Again, at inkdamonbrown.com. Like you can see like probably like a fourth of the, of the chapters in there actually were inspired by the columns. My columns are short. So I was doing 300 word columns while I was taking care of my two-year-old and his little brother at came. So I'm doing these little columns while I'm doing double baby duty. And then that grew into a mighty oak. And suddenly that became the beginning of my publishing imprint. So I wouldn't think about the series. You can map it out. That's cool. Like the, the Bite Says Entrepreneur is a series. Uh, my new one built from now is technically the follow-up to Bring Your Earth. So that's kind of a series. So it's okay to have that big picture, but you got to start with the first sentence. So start with the first sentence. The rest will figure okay. it out. 
Yeah, there's another one I'm looking on lunch table. Um, somebody asked, Malik asks, uh, how would you go about and mismatch an idea versus skill? Is it better to, to get started on your idea faster if you have the funds, um, learn the skill yourself or a combination of the two? <clears throat> idea versus skill. Um, I would put the, the merit into idea. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, as you can tell, I'm an octopus. So my background is journalism and then I do public speaking and I have my own coaching practice, I have my own book and print. So I like getting involved and having my hand in different pots for, we can get into that, but many different reasons for that. But first I had to learn the ropes. And so that might be a good example. When I did my first, Built From Now is my 25th book. My first 10 books were with traditional publishers in New York. So it wasn't like I started printing books, especially back in the day. It wasn't like I was printing books, but first I wrote my book proposal. Then I found an agent. Then that agent and I didn't work out. So I let go of that agent. I got another agent. And then each person I'm talking with, I'm getting game from. So the fact that I'm able to have a publishing imprint now comes from me getting my idea out and learning from all these different people. If I was waiting until I had the skill set to do all this different stuff, then my books wouldn't have came out. I'd still be waiting. So I'd say the idea will be paramount. You can figure out the skills later. So um, I could not end this conversation. We do have a couple of minutes left um, without talking about the impacts COVID has on um, the opportunity to start your own thing. A lot of people were pushed out of their positions last year. People who were making really, really good money um, had the secure jobs and found out they were not so secure. Um, how do you, what would you say to folks who need to get shaken to see, okay, what this moment is opportunity-wise? This is something that won't be here five years from now. Correct, correct. I think that's the case for a lot of things. And you know me, we can talk about this for like another hour. Yeah. The biggest insight I've learned over the last year or two and trying to share with the people that I support is that you have to own the land versus being a renter. So that doesn't mean you have to start your own business. That means if Facebook, no disrespect to them, but if Facebook or whomever, wherever you're starting to plant your seeds, decides to kick you off the platform or change your algorithm, you're not gonna lose everything. That tech metaphor fits a lot of people who've lost their jobs too. I know people who I care about who had a side hustle in the back of their mind and they're like, that's not gonna make enough money and I got my main job. Suddenly that main job is gone. And then as we say in Silicon Valley, they had to spin up, they had to spin up this thing. Yeah. They're trying to hustle and make it work, but they didn't build their community yet. You see, it circles back to the beginning of our conversation, building your community before you have to, right? There's, um, um, I think of like um, Russ, I think of a few other folks who have had conversations about, about the music industry. And they'll say, my company, my business is recession proof. And that means that they, you know, and you know the music business way more than I do. People, people are used to getting that money on the road. Yeah. And then suddenly they're like, okay, I have to be at home. But if you own your catalog, if you're connected with your fans directly, you're not waiting for Universal or whomever to, to give you a cosign, to give you more money or whatever, because you're not on the road, then you're able to control that path. That's not saying that you have to quit your job or that if you get laid off that, you know, everything's fine. It's saying always have these multiple streams going, not just in yeah. case, but because that's the way to go, because you're actually able to own that. I have my newsletter list at joindamon.me. I own that. 
And so when I had my new book coming out, they got the pre-orders, they were going, we have our conversations that can be, can be taken away by a pandemic or whatever. And so finding ways to create your own community independent of some third parties, including your day job. If you do that, then I think that creates true security, even though that might take a little bit more time than you used to, you know? All right, so we have uh, two more questions I'll get to, and then we got to close because I want to give you an opportunity to talk about the, where they can get the book and all that kind of stuff. So two okay. more, I'm going to give you both of these and you can take them however you want. All right. uh, one in came from Facebook says, what would be a good way to get into coaching? They want to start coaching, how to get in. The other one came from Lunch Table is how do you manage being a parent slash entrepreneur? So I'm going to give you both of those. That's the biggest assumption in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say, you know the deal. I'll, I'll do the second one first. Um, you don't manage, you go with the flow. And so my kids could come in here and scream about something in the middle of our conversation. You have to adapt to that. I talk about that in, um, in Built From Now as far as adapting to different things. We can talk about that after the questions. Um, but yeah, you just adapt to it. There's no, there's no golden key. I talk about that a lot in the Ultimate Bites as Entrepreneur. So you might want to grab that one. Um, that's one over here. So I talk a lot about parenting and, and go, what I went through with Cuddler and what's so cool to my previous app. But I don't think there's a golden key to that. Um, as far as getting into coaching, coaching actually chose me, like, which sounds weird. I think I massacred some type of Jay-Z line. Um, but coaching actually chose me. And so I was actually doing keynotes after, again, the Ultimate Bites of the Entrepreneur came out, became a bestseller. I started doing, like I said, keynotes, did TED Talks and all that stuff. And people would come up afterwards and ask, hey, can I grab you a cup of coffee? And I'm like, why? I don't understand. And it took me like five, six times for that to happen where I'm like, oh, wait, the game I gave on the stage and the game I give in this book, that's not enough for them. And that's how I became a coach. And so it was a very organic process. Everything that I've created, it's been based on being pulled in that direction. I've learned to not force things. And so I didn't say I was gonna be a coach. It's like, no, I created stuff and people wanted me to coach. And I think that's a really subtle difference. So not trying to discourage you from that, just figure out what signals are saying that you should be a coach now. Based on those, then that determines your direction. You might not wanna be a coach right now. You might be better off doing um, online, um, online teaching platforms. Like I have one at Teachable. That might be better for you. It might be doing a YouTube channel like I have. So coaching isn't a narrow thing. You figure out how you wanna serve people and then they tell you how, they, how you can serve them the best. Hopefully that makes sense. So um, bills from now. Where yeah. can I get it? Yeah, so you get, um, <laughs> get it directly from me at damonbrown.net. I'll send you some I love that you said, get it directly from me. Like, I love that because that means the bag is coming directly to you. Yeah, I, I, I am the manager. That's right. <laughs> I love it. For people that get the, get the meme, you'll be laughing right now. Um, but yeah, damonbrown.net, you can get it from there. I'm also wearing the Build From Now t-shirt. And so I got some merch over there too, so come through for that. Um, and you can get any of my books, Built From Now, um, the predecessor, which, which Will has been a big supporter of, of um, Bring Your Worth, and then the bestseller y'all made, uh, what y'all made a bestseller, Ultimate Bite Size Entrepreneur. Um, so you can come through to there, learn about me, learn about my coaching and all that stuff. Um, something for free that I want to give everybody is at buildfromnowquiz.com. It's buildfromnowquiz.com. It's a free quiz where you can learn what your biggest strength is, again, based on the icons that are built from now. Um, so you can learn about that. And then you can learn uh, more about my coaching practice and how I, how I can uh, pass along some game to you over at my YouTube channel. And that's at youtube.com slash Brown Damon. Um, that's probably the best things. If you want the audiobook and other stuff, you can get it on your favorite platform. 
Yeah. Where are you most active? Twitter, Instagram, how people keep up with you? Yeah, so on all the major platforms, I'm Brown Damon. And social media, it's Twitter and Instagram. I'm on them there every single day. Particularly on Instagram, I'll do clips of my keynotes and all that stuff, and even have segments from my, my original YouTube channel. Um, and of course, join Damon.me, because I can't be doing, doing a sermon about, about owning the land. That's my platform. I do uh, a newsletter that comes out every Wednesday at 5.55 a.m. Been doing that for years. I love the discipline of it. Um, and being able to give you some insight and, and kind of help you on your journey. So builtfromnowquiz.com be a good place to start, as well as at damonbrown.net to learn more about me, get a copy of the book, and then you can go to the, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash browndamon. And I'm dropping gems at this point every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11.30 Pacific Standard Time. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan Devon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Nearboard. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanyan. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Go get your money. Peace and love. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.